0: We're in Ephesians. Um, Ephesians is a book written by Paul to a church at Ephesus. Uh, It divides itself very nicely into two parts. The first three chapters talk about what God did when he saved you. Um, The second uh, part of the book, chapters four through six, talk about what you should do about that and what it means. Because God's done this, this is how you apply it. Most of the verses that you know from Ephesians, you know in the last part of the verse, not a lot from the first part of the book. Um, In chapter 1, Paul talks about the role of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in your salvation, that they redeemed you, and forgave you, and adopted you, and chose you, and blessed you, and sealed you, and did all these things when you became a Christian. Chapter 2 talks about the idea that it was God's grace that saved you, that it wasn't anything you could do on your own, you couldn't earn it, you couldn't manufacture it you couldn't do anything for it it was it was god reaching out to you and you responding chapter three deals with the issue of um, why is it that difficult things happen in the lives of christians that paul talks about look it's not about me it's not about us it's really about what god is at work doing there's something much bigger happening and he tells the ephesian people look what i'm going through here in prison is something that is beneficial to you so it's okay it's not a not about me um, and then when you get to chapter four and we've started talking about this it's the idea of growing and it's the idea of maturing and it's the idea of and we're going to we're going to follow up on this this morning uh, paul lays out this principle that when god saved you he gave you grace in two ways number one he graced you with salvation he he gave you eternal life with him but then he talked about and we talked about this last week he also gave you a gift and um, if you weren't here last week, let me encourage you to listen to it online or get a CD from the guys. Um, but it, it, the importance of the fact that all of us have a gift. Um, there's a little paperback there. You can go online. You can take a survey. We can find out what gift and, or gifts God has shown and gifted you in. And so we've had a number of people do that and continue to do that. So that's still available to to do online. Um, with that, and and hopefully it was eye-opening for some of you. Um, This morning, Paul's going to talk about what it looks like to grow up as a Christian. What does a grown-up Christian look like? And uh, he's going to give us a number of characteristics over the course of the next couple of weeks, but this morning we're going to look at four. And he's going to talk about, okay, this is how you grow up. This is how you grow as a Christian. These are some things that God wants to do and wants you to Uh, develop in your life, if you will. So with that in mind, we're in Ephesians chapter 4, and here's what he starts out by saying. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, but, and blown here and there by every wind and teaching of cunning, of craftiness of people, and their deceitful scheming. Paul lays out the thing, and so let's just walk through it. He says, therefore, we will be no longer infants. Paul says, look, You need to understand, God wants you to grow up, okay? Now, we're not talking age-wise, we're talking maturity-wise. We've already talked about that earlier in chapter 4, that he wants us to be, one of the reasons he gave us the gifts, that we would be mature um, in Christ, and that we would grow up that way. So Paul talks, yesterday we celebrated Claire's, uh, her birthdays later on this week, but we we met in Sioux Falls to celebrate her third birthday. Um, Now, Claire is not matured yet, Okay? Uh, she is not in the process of maturing. She is in the process of growing, okay? Uh, and she's growing like a weed, okay? Um, but for me, personally, um, I'm, I'm the kind of grandparent that I think that we should get her a go-kart. Um, you know, because four-wheel speed, come on. Uh, you know, that's a Thomas thing. Um, now, her mother disagrees with me, Okay? Um, and they're still up in Sioux Falls with the family today. But, um, you know, because here's the thing. She doesn't have the hand eye coordination yet to handle a go kart. So she's not ready for that yet. Okay, now I may think she is, but she's, trust me, she's not. I've let her try to drive a golf cart, and that was bad. Okay, she just keeps spinning the wheel until it stops, and then she keeps trying to spin it. So, but, but this is what Paul's saying. He's saying, look, I, I don't want you to be an infant, I want you to grow up and to start to mature and notice what he says he gives us a characteristic of infant christians if you will okay and he said this is awesome just okay yeah yeah that's right just her back that's awesome good yeah no no no. you can go right back in the seat you don't have to take her all the way back there um we're actually talking about this today so those of you with parents of children this is going to be good you're going to think it's going to help you a little bit um, but here's the idea. Okay, okay. Let me use Hallie's example. Okay, this is great. This worked out awesome. Okay, she doesn't know that you're not supposed to run around. Why? How does she? How come she doesn't know that? Yeah, she's an infant. She does what comes naturally to her, which is what? Run, baby, run. I mean, you know. You know, she's sitting there in the, in, the, in the chairs, and she looks out, and she sees all this open space. And the first thing that comes to her mind is what? Run. As she matures, we have to teach her some things. Like, there are some places you don't run, like out into the street. There are some places that you, you try to, you know, be somewhat reserved. Um, you know, there's times that it's appropriate. There's time, we, we teach her that stuff as she matures. She starts to, to, to get that. I mean, you know, can you imagine, you know, my wife just getting up and running around like that, you know? Um, now, <laughs> you know, there are days I'm sure she feels like doing that. But, you know, what happens is as you mature, you learn that stuff, okay? This is what Paul's saying. He's saying, look, I don't want you to be infant baby Christians, okay? And he tells you what they're like. He said they're tossed back and forth by the wave. This was an illustration from the Messiah of Galilee where a lot of these people had that kind of background. So they understood this idea that, you know what, with the, with the ocean, I mean, you know, it's written to Ephesus, and the, and the people um, there are, are familiar with the seas and all of that, how you get onto a boat, and all of a sudden, whatever the waves do, you just, you're fighting it, and you're trying to struggle. And Paul said, I don't want you to be a Christian. that Every time something comes along, it just washes you over you. Um, I don't want you to be blown about here and there by every wind of teaching. In other words, whatever comes down the pike, all of a sudden you go, oh, yeah, well, that sounds good. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, they're a Christian. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll. Paul said, I don't want you to do that. He said, I, I'm wanting you to grow in truth in the word of God so that you're not blown about by everything that comes down the pike. So that you're not moved around. And then he goes on and he gives you a couple more illustrations. He says, by the cunning. That is a fascinating word. The idea of cunning, actually, we get our English word cube from this Greek word, uh, this idea. What it meant was loaded dice. There are people who gambled with loaded dice. In other words, they knew that every time they threw that dice, it was going to turn up certain numbers. Why? Because the dice were fixed. Paul said, there are people out there who, in their cunning so to speak, play a game of loaded dice with you. They know what they want from you. They know how they're going to get it. They know how to manipulate you. They know how to get you. So, so they are going to try to do that as far as what you believe about the Bible and God and Christ and those kinds of things. Paul said, I want you to be able to figure out, hey, they're playing with loaded dice. They're teaching with loaded. And then he uses this idea of craftiness um, of people. This actually is a hunting term. Um, it has the idea of studying an animal in order to track it, okay? Um, now my wife makes fun of me for this, but if you get to know me, you'll know this about me. Um, I like redneck TV, okay? Um, so one of the shows that I happen to watch is Mountain Men, okay? This is about these people who live off-grid, and they are like, I, I mean, some of them are my heroes, because I'm like, man, I would love to be able to do that, um, you know, and one of the guys that I really like, and some of you who've watched the show are going to relate to this, um, is Tom Orr, okay? Tom Orr from Montana. Yeah, I got guys nodding their heads, like, yeah, go Tom. I love watching Tom. I think Tom should have his own show, okay? The guy is so fascinating, huh? Um, he, but anyway, <clears throat> he's in Montana, and um, a couple of weeks ago I was watching the show, and, and here's what happened. Tom, Tom makes his living by trapping, Okay? And he is a master at knowing how to prepare, how to how to skin an animal, how to trap it, how to trap it, how to skin it, how to how to tan the hide in such a way to get money off of it, and blah 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 blah. And he's just fascinating to watch him. Well, he, this year he's got an apprentice with him. He's got a he's got a guy who's learning it from Tom. And so they went into a new area, and um, I think I think they were after mink. Um, and 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 it was fascinating to watch because what Tom did is is, is he said okay. He 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 gets in the area and he starts studying it, and he goes, okay, there's the tracks. Okay, its home is probably right there, its water source is right here. Um, it 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 needs that. So so the path that is probably let's set a trap right here. In other words, he studied the patterns of the animals in order to set the trap, and nine times out of ten he gets it right. Okay, which is just Amazing to me, because some of these animals are, are pretty smart. And then the guy up in, in Alaska, uh, he, he gets wolverines. And wolverines are a really tough animal to get. But anyway, um, I wouldn't eat any of this stuff, by the way. I just think it's a fascinating story. Uh, but here's the deal. What Tom has done is he studied it in order to figure out the best way to trap it, to snare it. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying there are people out there who have ulterior motives. What they're teaching you and what they're what they're preaching to you, and Paul said, "I want you to be able, as a Christian, to grow up in such a way to realize this is solid, this is appropriate, this is not, so that so that when the winds come, when the fads come, when the when the when the latest thing comes down the pike in Christian circles, uh, when." <clears throat> People come in who have an ulterior motive, whose motives are not pure to really help you grow in, in, in truth. I want you to be able to spot them. I want you to be able to know those dice are loaded. I want you to be able to know, you know what, this person's set in trap. Paul said, you need to be able to take truth of the word of God and, and decipher it and figure it out. Okay? That's one of the characteristics of growing as a Christian is we become people of discernment. We become people who understand what the Bible teaches and what the Bible means. It's not about the latest fact. Then he goes on. He takes it another step further, and listen to what he says next. He says, instead, I want you to speak the truth in love. So he said, I want you to be about people of truth, discernment, but I also want you to balance that out with love. A lot of people get one right but very fewly do they very very few times do we get both right it's easy to be a person of truth because some of you are wired that way it's easy to be a person of love because some of you are wired that way it's very difficult to be find that balance between the truth between the two of them i'm literally paul the language here means truthing and love and what paul is saying here is i want you to be a person You you have your standards, you know what truth is, and you are firmly set in truth. But, I want you to be able to deal with that in love. I want you to be able to come alongside of somebody and say, you know what, Um, this is what the Bible says, and what you're doing is wrong, but I will love you no matter what. I'm going to be your friend. That doesn't have to come between us. I can love you and still hold on to truth. I, I don't have to choose one or the other. And it's so important that we come to this balance. I think this is what's happening in our culture. It's like, okay, it, we're almost sold this bill of good culturally right now that says, if we disagree, we have to hate each other. That's insane. I mean, I, look at My marriage. We disagree on a lot of stuff, but I still love her, okay? And one day she'll see it my way, you know? But I mean, you know, we, we can disagree and still, be in, and still love. We can, st- we can disagree and be on opposite sides of it and still have a relationship. <clears throat> and Paul says, I want you not only to be able to handle truth and know what does God say, but I want you to be able to deal with that truth in, in love. Um, and, and I would argue this, I would argue that Proverbs teaches that if you become a person of love without truth, you're really their enemy. You know, I mean, a lot of times I know we, we look at somebody and we go, you know, well, I just can't tell them that, you know, I just can't deal with them truthfully about that. So we ignore it. Proverbs calls it the kisses of an enemy. Um and it calls being truthful sometimes, sometimes wounds. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. The kisses of an enemy are deceitful. You think they care, but they really don't care. Okay, um, okay. I'm going to take a rabbit trail and get back really quick. I think we're doing a disservice to our teenagers and our young kids today. Because we're so concerned about them loving us and having a relationship and being a friend with them that we don't tell them the truth. Here's been my observation Kids actually will respond better to the truth than you think they will. Because they know you're being straight up with them. Because the one thing teenagers don't like is fakes and phonies. And, and I think sometimes, you know, again, you know, I, I no question. When I raised my kids, I erred on the side of truth and truth, and then I tacked love onto it. I, uh, truthing and love, I'd like to have gotten a little bit better concept of. But the reality of it is, I think sometimes we're not being truthful with these kids. I mean, you just think about it for a minute. We've got to raise a whole generation where we're like, oh, you know, it's all about you. The world revolves around you, you know. Tell us how we can create your world better. And then they get out into a real world. They they don't have a boss looking at them going, tell me how. I'm I'm so glad you're working for us today. How can I make your world better? You know, you know. I mean, really, you know, and, and that's what we're up against. Okay, rabbit trail done. Back to this. Okay, truth and love. Okay. Then Paul l- jumps into another category. He says, okay, I want you to, if you're mature, you're, if you, as you start to grow up, you're going you're to you're start to grasp truth, and you're going to start to speak truth and love and balance those two out. And then notice what he goes on to say next. Um, he says, and we will grow to become in every aspect, every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Paul said, the next thing I want you to do is to grow it's interesting. In the Christian life, growth is assumed. Now, a couple of things about growth. If you haven't figured it out yet, growth in the Christian life and in real life is slow. Um, it's slow. Um, I like what one guy said. You know, He said, God, God's trying to produce oak trees as Christians, not squash. You can get squash in a season. Um. But it won't weather winter and all the other things that life throws at it. And and, and, and the idea is it, it, it's slow. Some of you are, are frustrated because everything that you've done in your life a lot of times comes quickly. Or you have a very fast-paced life, and then you get into the Christianity thing. You're like, okay, I, I'm not growing fast enough. H- hang on there. Hang on there. Okay? It's, it's not about growing fast. It, it, it's about growing solid it's about getting deep roots it's about it, it takes time um, and for some of you some of you are like me you were very fortunate you're brought from a christian home you've been surrounded by it growth for you occurs a little bit quicker because you've been surrounded by our life. some of you honestly christianity this whole Christian. the fact that you are in church on a sunday morning i mean come on Ten years ago, you would have never done that. You would have never been there. The fact that you're here this morning is a huge growth step, you know, because the, you're here and you wouldn't have been here before. And then you're going, I'm just not growing fast enough. Whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. You're here. This it's, it's a slow, progressive kind of thing. It's assumed, by the way. You know, we assume that there's going to be stages of growth. I'm um, just like in your, in, in your world. You think about it for a minute. We have measurable marks all along for people growing, don't we? <clears throat> I mean, one day, you know, um, I, you know, I, I mean, look at my life. One day I went to kindergarten. That was a big deal. That was a big deal. Spent a lot of time in the hallway, but it was a big deal. Um, <clears throat> you know, then at, at some point, um, I moved into, into, into junior high, where you had to go to individual classes instead of all in the same little room. You know, and then next thing you know, um, I, I, I'm getting my driver's license, which I learned to drive in Detroit, Michigan. <sighs> Back in the 70s, when we were producing all the really cool cars, and when your driving ad instructor looks at you and says, okay, the rule is stay up with the car in front of you. What about the speedometer? What speedometer? Stay up with the car in front of you. When the light turns red on the left, turn signal. Three cars go through when it's red. This was a good one. By the way, Detroit had no fault insurance. Okay? You know what that meant? That meant if I hit your car, I fixed mine, you fixed yours. So if you're driving a beater and some big fancy car cuts you off, boom! that'll teach ya. you, know? Um, you know, really, no fault insurance, I'm telling you, man, oh, it was awesome, um, you know, you know, it gave advantage to people who drove beaters, um, but I mean, really, it, it was one of those things where, you know, that was a big deal, and then I graduated from high school, and it was like, okay, that was another milestone, they reached that, and then, <coughs> you know, I, I encourage kids, you got to find something to give you a career path, so, you know, whether it's tech school, or the military, or college, or whatever that is, you, you do something to get you set up for your career, and for me, it was college, and it did that, and then, you know, my first, I remember the first apartment, you know, um, so awesome, um, $150 a month, and our first, my first electric bill was $175 a month, because um, it was all electric heat, and we had a really bad winter, but, um, you know my first apartment, my first car. Oh, that was a big deal. You know, had all these milestones. You know, first first house that we got. Um, I, I got married in there too. But you know, my 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 first and only wife. Um, you know, um, my you know you get get that, and then then you, and then kids and, and and that milestone. And now we're you know career wise, and then you end up with the you know my case, uh, you know, a grandchild now. You know, and that's a, you know the first grandchild. Um, you know, and then then there's retirement, and then, you know, some of you reach that milestone, and it's like, you know, oh, it's retirement. Well, there ain't a lot of milestones left, boys. Um, You know, when you get there, uh, but, you know, I mean, you you have those milestones. You follow what I'm saying? There's measurable things, and it's no different for your Christian life. There are certain measurable things that we're going to be going through in the next couple weeks, but Paul lays out truth, and he has uh, a bringing in love with it, and then he says, You need to be growing. We believe here (coughs) that everybody should be growing. And everybody's growing at different rates. And that's okay. The reason I love having little children in this thing is because it reminds us that we have people, and and, and Rod said it so well this morning, if you don't think these kids are listening, you haven't talked to them. Because they will boggle your mind what they have picked up and, and honestly, some of you, the best thing you can do is just sit down with your children and say, okay, what did Pastor say? And you will have actually heard the message then because they get stuff you, you just blew off, you know. It's amazing what they pick up. And, that, and we've learned that over the years. And we've learned that when you have little kids in here, it makes you less, how do I say this, less churchy about, you know, oh, everything's prim and proper, and, you know, no, no, we got little kids running all different kinds of ages, and and, and, and we're all learning and growing together. And there's stuff I can learn from them, and there's stuff they can learn from me. And Paul says, I want you to know, I want you to grow, you will grow to become in every respect mature body of him who's the head. In other words, you start looking at areas in your life that Christ needs to be in charge of. And then he ends it this way, by saying this, <clears throat> uh, the last verse that we're going to look at, he says, "From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting limit, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work." He's talking. He goes back to these gifts idea, and he says, "Okay, and, and, and this is crazy because what Paul does is he starts to make it up words again. Okay, um, he takes these two ideas. It's actually two ideas. He throws them kind of into one one concept. This idea of the whole body is joined and held together." Um, it's the idea of, and this is what we talked about last week, God gave you a gift to fit in a place, in the church, in his kingdom. And then that gift is supposed to work. So Paul brings these two ideas together and he says, God has brought you to fit you into work so that you're supposed, like you're supposed to work. In building itself up, talking about the body, and love, and each part does its work. So in other words, as you find where you have you fit and you start doing and accomplishing it, you start building other people up. The next thing you know, God starts working out his plan in the church to encourage each other and build each other up and help them. But when you don't work like you're supposed to, it causes problems. Um, I've been telling my wife the last couple of months, uh, I've never had any problem in my life, but the last couple of months, for some reason, my Right knee decides to do its own thing. So it's, it's crazy. I mean, I, it, it's not painful. It's not, it's just all of a sudden, you know, catch myself and go, okay, that's fine. I'm, I'm used to it. It doesn't happen. You know, it happens once or twice a week or whatever else. The problem is every once in a while it happens when I'm on a ladder and that makes me a little more nervous. But, um, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm adapting to it. You know, I'm, you know and everybody's like, oh, what symptom is it? I don't, age. You know, it just comes. It's one of those things. You know, it's not one of the things you just live with. And but but it's kind of the it, it it changes stuff when you got a ligament and something that all of a sudden is supposed to work together with everything else that just goes well. That's not going to work. It's the same way with the body of Christ. And God says, "I've designed you and saved you and fitted you in to work together to." accomplish something here and you just go I'm not important or I'm just going to do my own thing doesn't work like it's supposed to work and Paul said that's that's not what God did that's not what God, he's he's got you all fit together, he's got us all fit to find out how we can earn there's some of you who you can encourage other people and and some of you are writers and some of you are, are phone people and some of you are text people and some of you are email people and some of you are like real people, face to face stuff um you know, I mean, we have all of these ways to encourage and build and help everybody out. And, and, and that's what Paul says. He says, look, that, that's the goal for this thing. So, um, <coughs> let's talk about a couple of takeaways for us um, as we head into the week. Uh, here is the first one. The first one is this. Maturity... Uh, oh, wait a minute, I get to this. Maturity has this idea in it that you need to be growing. Okay? Um, the idea of being a Christian and not growing, is foreign to the New Testament and the Bible. We're all growing. We all need to be maturing. We all need to be learning more about God. We all need to be building ourselves up in order to build up other people. We all need to be working together that way. Paul says, look, it, we've always said this here. Um, everyone here is in the process of growth." That's why I love little children in here. You know why? Because it reminds us. You know, for those of us, you know, to those of you who have little kids, you know, I'm sorry, but you know what? We just have way too much fun watching you. And I know you sit there and go, you don't know how hard it is to get a little kid to church and all that's involved in it and da 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 da. But can I tell you what it does for us? It encourages our heart that it's important for you to go through all that. Can I tell you what it does to those of us who had little children? We sit back and go, boy, remember those days, honey? And we get to relive a little bit of what we went through. And it reminds us to pray for you and your kids. And it reminds us that, you know what? We have a role in helping those little kids too. This isn't about me coming to church for me. This is about me coming to church to help everybody. And and if that means and, and can I say this adults, pay attention to these little kids. You know, you make sure you talk to them. Ask them about their week. That's why we have children's sermon because we want the kids to be a part of this thing. It's important. It's important. What, one of the things that was of greatest help to us is when I had teenagers and I had ki- my my kids had adults who were their friends in church. And it was, it was a lifesaver to me because we're all growing different rates and stuff like that. And so we're all coming together. And so, like I say, you go, you know, you, some of you are going, you know, well, you know, I can never do that. Or, you know, I don't know as much Bible as that person does. It's, it's not what it's about. It's about plugging away at it and, and, and growing. And. Not being at the same place spiritually you were this time last year. That's what it is. And for many of you here, the fact that you're here this morning says it's a priority. That's huge. That's growth. And so understand that growing is, you know, when you, in fact, I will say this to you. When you get to the point that you think you've arrived and you don't have to grow anymore, you're in a very dangerous spot. Because every one of us is going to grow until the day we leave this planet. And, and, and that's what God wants for us. And Paul says, look, I, th- that's what God's doing. That's what God's doing. And we encourage one another. We help one another. Second issue is this. We need to grow in truth. We need to get to the point that we start to understand and apply and learn and grow when it comes to biblical things. Unfortunately, we are heading into a culture that is biblically illiterate. It used to be when I preached, I could stand up and I could, I could, I can mention the name Abigail in the Old Testament, and maybe seventy-five percent of the church would know what I was talking about because they grew up on Bible stories. We're at a point now where you're going to be lucky if twenty-five percent of the people know who Abigail is. Some of you are going, I don't know who Abigail is. See, grow this week. Go learn. Go learn. Fascinating story of the Old Testament. You know? And the idea is we have in our world, and I don't like to get into politics thing, but the big, big theme in our world right now in America is this idea of fake news. And trying to decide what is actual true, actual news and what is somebody's slant towards a news event that's happened. Can I say to you that there's a lot of fake Christian stuff out there? That we don't have people who are discerning enough to figure it out because we don't understand truths of solid biblical principles. And and, and it sounds good. So we throw it up on our Facebook page without thinking. And I'm not saying you go on some crusade to correct everybody's biblical illiteracy. And I'm not about that. You know, for years. I mean, I grew up with this. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Sounds good, doesn't it? It's not biblical. Let me give you the biblical statement. God said it, that settles it. I really don't care if you believe it or not. If God said it, that's it. Done deal. You know, but we like to add stuff to it like that. Um, Let me give you one that's a big deal in our culture right now. Well, you know, they're a product of their environment. Your environment influences you. But your environment does not determine your outcome. You know how I know that? Genesis chapter 2. God created the perfect environment with no flaws for Adam and Eve. But they made a choice to turn their back on their environment. You're not a product of your environment. Your your environment may influence you, you're a product of your decisions and your choices. Be wise to teach that to the kids of this generation. Because how many of them go simply, you know, well, you know, I just, you know, if, you, if I'd have been in a very environment, I would have turned out okay. No, 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 because I can show you kids from a horrible environment turned out great, and I can show you kids from a great environment turned out horrible. It's not about environment. It's about the choices you make with what you have in front of you. And that's biblical, Genesis chapter 2. This is what I'm talking about, where we get to the point that we are discerning about this issue of truth. And I think it's important because as we grow, so, you know, plug in. Do what you need to do to learn. And then the other issue is this. We grow in the area of letting God be at the center of it all. Um, as you mature as a Christian, what you need to do is you need to simply step back and you start to ask yourself every week, all right, Lord, what area do we need to work on? What area am I controlling that you need to be controlling? So, for instance, my money. God, what do you say about money? What do you say about debt? What do you say about borrowing? What do you say about loaning? What do you say about interacting with money? What do you say about giving? What do you say about saving? What do you say about all of that? God, what do you say with regards to money? God, what do you say with regards to my employment? If you are an owner, an employer, what does the Bible say about how you run your business? If you are an employee and you work for somebody, what does God say about the way you should work for somebody? If you're a spouse, what does the Bible say about what kind of husband you should be? What does it say about what kind of wife you should be? If you're a parent, what kind of parent should you be? In other words, Lord, help me to understand what parenting is from your perspective and help me to do that. Let's get even more specific. You're a grandparent? Oh, I know what the job of a grandparent is. I doubt many of you have ever done a biblical study on what does the Bible say about being a grandparent. Because you know what? You need to be the kind of grandparent God wants you to be. Let's get even Closer. Retirement. Ever studied what the Bible says about retirement? You know? You're like, well, I know, you know, I'm going to... Time out. If God's going to be at the center of it all, what about my retirement? What about my leisure time? What about the way I treat A waitress, a waiter, a cashier.
1: Oh, I don't think
0: the Bible... (laughs) Yes, the Bible does. Yes, the Bible does talk about that. What about your neighbor? There's one for you. Oh, I live in the country. I purposely live in the country, so I have no neighbors. No, you have neighbors. Now, they may be a mile away, but you have neighbors. What does the Bible say about how you respond to them, how you treat them? How you interact with them? politics. What does the Bible say about your responsibility in the political world and the way you address the political world? You go, I don't know about all this stuff, pastor. Exactly. You get to grow in the course of the next 10, 20, 30 years, however long God lets you be here. Why? Because that's the idea. The idea is that I start looking at every area of my life and I start bringing and I start saying, okay, God, how can I honor you? How can I keep you at the center of it? What is it that you want me to do? How can I bring my life in such a way that I can be the kind of person you intended for me to be? And by the way, here's what you'll learn. God's way is always the best way. May not be the easiest way, but it will always be the best way to bring the most long-term reward to his kingdom and and what he's trying to accomplish. Every time. Every time. And I want to challenge you because it's the idea of, like Paul says, look, we're to grow up and build ourselves in love and each part doing its work. And so what happens is, follow this, I start to try to be a better husband to my wife. Then what happened? Does that benefit our marriage? You know, you're like, well, she's sure getting the winning end of it. Okay, so what? You know? What happens a lot of times is what? She'll try to out... I, I always tell young couples when I'm marrying them this. A great marriage is two people trying to out and out each other. Give me two people in a marriage who are trying to out and out each other, I'll show you a great marriage. You know? Um, and I mean, you know, it was like... Uh, I don't want to puff myself up, but... One of the things you learn about us man, is when we do something, we like we really want attention for it. Okay, so it's like last night. You know, we're having we're having um, we're having what are we having to eat? Huh? No, 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 I know, but I mean, we, today for lunch, uh, roast. Yeah, we're having a roast. Okay, so last night I'm getting ready. We getting ready to go to bed. I noticed there's three onions sitting on the counter. Now I know how my wife hates peeling onions and doing onions. And I know, you know, but I knew that this morning before church, she was going to cut them all up and she's going to put them in the thing. And I thought, you know what? You know what? Um, I'm really good with knives. (laughs) My little finger would disagree. Um, But anyway, um, (laughs) um, I'm really good with knives. I can cut those up for her so she doesn't have to do that in the morning. And she came down and she goes, because she could smell it. And she's like, she's like, "Did you already cut up the onions?" I'm like, "Yes, honey, I did that, you know." And and now I have brownie points, and because I told you, they go away. But um, <laughs> but but here's the idea: it was a little thing. It was like, okay, you know what? Um, I know she's, you know, she doesn't want to smell like onions coming to church, and I don't care. <laughs> so I cut them up the night before. Why? It was just a way to go. You know what? I can I I can make it a little easier for you. You know. Um, and, and that's what we're talking about. We're talking about, you know, and I mean, really in our house, I don't know there's a, like, a, she's got to do this stuff, and I've got to do this stuff, Liz. It's kind of like whoever sees it does it, you know. Um, and so I, I come back to say, you know, we've got to get back to that point. We've got to get back to that point. So my challenge to you this week is to look to, to open your eyes a little bit. Look around, who can you, and we talked about this in Sunday school, whose feet can you wash this week? Who can you serve? Who can you minister to? Who can you build up? And if you have children, please hear me, please hear me, please hear me. The world and their friends are taking shots at them all day long. We need to speak the truth to them, but we need to do it in love and we need to build them up. And help them. And for those of us that work in the world during the week, we need to build each other up as well. That's why I will not tolerate in any way, shape, or form tearing down each other in this place. The world will do it all day long. It doesn't need to happen here. And so I want us to encourage and build one another up. So I end this morning with this. God desires and demands that we grow as believers. It's slow, but a progressive process. We learn and apply God's truth to our lives, and we speak truth in a loving way to others. We center our lives on what Christ desires for us, and we involve ourselves in helping others grow. We work together as we serve God. Let's pray. Lord, help us. God, it's easy sometimes to get sidetracked. It's so easy sometimes, Lord, to focus on us, on what we're getting out of things, on what we're doing. Lord, help us to be able to focus on you. Help us to be able to center our lives, Lord, on what you would have for us this week. And Lord, as we leave this place, may we build one another up. May we work together to accomplish what you want to accomplish. Lord, may you use us so that as a world looks at us, they see a group of people who do it differently and do it in such a way to bring honor to you. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Let's.